I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And, <laughs> well, actually, not that. We should have buzzing noises. Can you give us some, some buzzies? It would be my absolute pleasure. Yes. And we're not just talking about bees here. Go to our Candyman special if you want to hear (laughs) bee noises. Today, though, we are continuing on our March Madness series Mm -hmm. with the 1986 American science fiction horror movie, The Fly. I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Who's this? Oh, I forgot to tell you, I live with my mother, too. Mom, meet Tony. I gotta go. Why'd you scare her off? Jealous? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. You look bad. You smell bad. I've never been much of a bather. So this movie was directed and co-written by David Cronenberg, and this movie is loosely based on the George Langland's 1957 short story of the same name, which I also didn't know. Wow, this podcast is making me learn so many great, amazing things. I knew this was a remake, uh, well, barely, but I definitely didn't know that it came from a short story of the same name. And this movie in particular stars Jeff Goldblum, uh, a very in his prime Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, John and John Getz. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning that the score is by one Howard Shore, because the minute the movie opened up, I was already immersed with the music alone before the movie even started. And we have to have to have to bring up the wonderful makeup artist, Chris Wallace, who won the Oscar for this particular film. So, spoiler alerts ahead. Uh, Jamie, can you give us any trigger warnings throughout this movie, The Fly, please? Uh, it's uh, it's pretty icky. Uh, so, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, this is like full, I mean, it's David Cronenberg. It's like full body horror. So, mm-hmm. if if the sound of body horror is triggering to you, um, this might not be for you. Um, there, there is some mild sexuality that, uh, sexual activities that take place. Um, yes. and there are references to abortion. Um, yes. so if any of that is unsettling, this might not be for you. Also flies. Yeah. If you don't like bugs, mm. this is, this ain't it. Uh, this is this is Jamie. I think you misspoke before. Um, it's uh, obviously body yaddy yaddy horror. 
Oh, uh, I forgot about that. And never forget, forget about body yaddy yaddy horror. <laughs> never forget. Who's that? Body is that Megan the Stallion? My hair at you could make a look. Yeah, Megan the Stallion. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I know things. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yes. So everything uh, body horror, and we'll get into the deep, deep details of this. So again, if you have not watch the fly and as jamie says we're giving you spoiler alerts for a movie that came out in 86 please watch the movie and then come back and listen to what we thought about it especially some of the mental health things in relation to going mad for our march Mm. madness but before we get into all of that we have to have a two-minute plot summary so is it my turn yeah i think it's your turn okay we're gonna we're gonna make it work. <laughs> work, 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 work. That's another song, work, right? Work, work. Yes, Rihanna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it sounds a, a little bit different than that. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what it sounds work, like. Work, 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 oh, okay. work, 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 work. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Okay, plot summary. You have two minutes, Nikisha. Watch the plot. <laughs> Okay. And let's try not to spend the first minute on the first five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> That's like our Achilles I can't heel. Make any promises, uh, no, you're right. You're right. No, you're totally right. The first five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and oh go. So we open up with this wonderful score by uh, Howard Shore, <laughs> and <laughs> we'll just talk about the instrumentation for one minute before we get into it. <laughs> so we come upon the scientist, Jeff Goldblum, who has met Gina Davis, who is a journalist, and he says, hey, I have something that could change the world. Come to my house. She goes to his house. She shows He shows her a teleportation device in which she takes off her stockings, put one into one of the teleportation machines, and then he teleports it to another one of his little machines. And she says, oh, is this a hologram? And he said, no, this is the real deal. We're going to change the way we do transportation because Jeff Goldblum has a little bit of motion sickness. So he would like to transport in uh, tele- teleportation instead of cars. And so they fall in love because he's a genius and he's super hot. And he <laughs> says, oh, this is so great. But then Gina has to... Uh, take care of some old business with an old boyfriend who is actually her editor uh, or her boss for the journalist, whatever's. And so he gets jealous. Jeff Goldblum gets jealous. And then he decides to put himself through the teleportation machine. But oh my God, dun, dun, dun. There's a fly that goes in with him. And so when he gets teleported, the genes mesh together. And so the fly is immersed within all of his atoms and bodily biological terms that I don't know of because I'm an actor. And then... (laughs) Slowly but surely, he turns into a fly, and the prosthetics in this, again, are fantastic. The slow uh, transition of him not only physically transforming, but mentally going insane, because he thinks that he's become this superhuman. He becomes a jerk. He throws away Gina Davis, and she's like... Great. And so finally we get to the point where he is full blown into a fly and Gina Davis has to kill him because he goes mad. He's trying to kill her or actually mesh her atoms with his so that he can become more human. And uh, he just shoots and then that's she shoots and that's the end of the thing. He's dead. (laughs) And that has been the fly. The fly. That is a uh, parlor talk with. Uh, <laughs> 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 Great. 
So let's just start off with the basics. I will say this is my first time ever watching this movie, which is insane. Of course, I talk about this all the time, but I watch a plethora of Watch Mojo top tens, mm. whatever's on YouTube. And of course, this has come up in one of the things. I think there's a top 10 horror prosthetics uh, video, and this was def- definitely on it, but it was still just as amazing to watch it in context mm. and see seeing the general uh, progression of his body turning into this fly. And I think that just for a movie to be in the 80s and have that kind of sensibility and such detail, attention to detail is just quite uh, beautiful. But um, yeah, this is my first time seeing it. It was pretty straightforward. And uh, we'll get into the other things later. But tell me about your history uh, with this movie, Jamie. Um, I am just like you. I have never actually seen this movie, weirdly Mm. enough. Um, I have seen, uh, a couple other David Cronenberg movies, um, like the two before this one, Scanners and Videodrome. I don't really know why I didn't see The Fly. I think it's because I don't like bugs. Uh, That makes perfect (laughs) Um, sense. That's a good answer. Right. Yeah. Um, but... I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's, it's buggy and, and pretty repulsive and, uh, buggy, yes. <laughs> yeah. How else do you describe something that the content has bugs? Buggy. Yes. Buggy. Yeah. yeah. Creepy crawly. Um, Oh, like oh yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Weren't that, wasn't that the toy? Yeah, I had it. It was like the easy big oven creepy for crawlers. boys, but it was creepy colors. Yes. And the theme song went creepy crawlers. Oh yeah. You just unlocked <laughs> a memory for me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's by Megan the Stallion or Rihanna. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> What's the next one? Uh, right, 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 right. Creepy crawlers. Um, yeah, Rihanna the Stallion. <laughs> But I, I also have definitely seen the special effects before. Um, I feel like, you know, it's hard to avoid something like that also from the 80s from so long ago. Um, I guess not that long ago. It came out the year that Brian was born. I am older <laughs> than this movie by a couple of months. Okay. Wow. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was really I, I didn't really know what to expect, and it was super strange and um, pretty <laughs> pretty Cronenbergy, uh, if you can imagine that. Would you Would and, you call this movie uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cronenberg uh, esque. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to to talk more about it. Cool. Fantastic. Brian, tell us about your history with this. <clears throat> sure. Um, I also do want to take a step back and say, like, this is part of our March madness. Um uh, because uh they he goes he goes mad. And th- I, this was my pick, actually. Um I, I mm. went like the mad scientist route. Um, I had mm. seen this one before. Um, a long time ago. So I actually forgot a lot about it, except for some of the main set pieces. Um, I've actually seen the original 1950s movie uh, many times. Um, I love that one. And they're they're obviously very different. Um, But uh, yeah, I I enjoy this movie. I had a very weird experience watching it this time. and, And we'll get into those reasons why. But the effects absolutely hold up. Um, 
I think the effects hold up better than the characters in the movie holds up. Um, mm-hmm. But the the yeah, I had a blast watching it this time, um, and and uh, I, I, this, was, this was only my second time actually seeing it. Nice. Well, let's just get into it. I want to hear the comparisons. I want to hear the likes and gripes of it. I mean, again, this is a pretty straightforward movie. It's about a fly and you're getting a fly, you know. So I would like to hear more, Brian, just about how you feel about the characters in general. Because I'll just say, for me, because it was so straightforward and there are also not that many people in this movie in general it is just focused around the three uh you know gina davis and and jeff goldblum and gina davis's boyfriend stathis is that his name in the movie stathis but what a name he had like a game of thrones <laughs> name like stathis batharian or whatever it is yeah. like stannis stannis no but uh yeah i don't know stannis, but yeah. what i what i will say is that this? Oh, his name is Stathis Borens. Obviously, um, obviously, he, he sounds like an element. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> this movie is way eighties because um, it and and I I the relationship now feels forced. Um, I don't know why she went home with him that first night. He's not charming. He's not interesting. He he like. Like, did, she also is not, like, this up-and-coming journalist. Like, she's already an established person. She wants – yes, she wants something bigger. But, like, that didn't move. And, and, and like, I just never felt their, like, chemistry. So when – at towards the end when she was um, – when she was, uh, like, uh, uh, so upset because she loves him and now he's a monster and, like, she doesn't know what to do. It felt more, like, out of obligation because she pushed him so much to do this more than like she loves him um which obviously was definitely not the case um uh so there was that also i'm sorry i have a very 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 hard time watching movies where the abusive disgusting monstrous ex-boyfriend is treated as like a semi-hero um i had a Mm -hmm. really hard time stomaching all of that that like he kind of like helps her but he also like made ter- like when he shows up at the department store and he makes all these stalkery comments and she's obviously like she there's and we could talk about like abusive relationships because she got out of it but then he's stalking her and she kind of just like she maybe she doesn't have a lot of people on her side so like she fell back into like some sort of relationship with him and then like at right. the end he's like helping to save her like like I, I hated all of that. It was very hard. Like when a bad guy has a song in a musical, I hate it because I'm not supposed to like see, I'm not supposed to empathize with them. And like, I, I just hated that. Right. That felt so gross and eighties. Um, uh, like this movie was yeah. very misogynistic. She had really no character. Her whole character was based on the fact of like falling in love and then, like, trying to, like, write this book and, uh, you know, and getting pregnant. Like, like the most 80s things possible. I think Gina Davis is a wonderful actress. And I think she makes more out of what she's actually given. I think her character is, is, is better in that movie because of her. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she, she never calls her ex-boyfriend out on his bad behavior. Like, she's when he says, like, I followed you here. Like, she doesn't even, like she's she's made to feel like 
she's he's the victim in the situation he like manipulates her and turns it on her and it's like never really discussed yeah. in this movie and that was super gross and i didn't like that um uh uh so there's there's like the the humanistic stuff of this movie i like couldn't get into is very hard it was a barrier it's so outdated um however on the flip side of this like his descent into madness all of that i, I Honestly, I think it's hard watching Jeff Goldblum because he's so much of a caricature of what he actually was like in his prime in the 80s and early 90s. Like now he's a joke in some ways. He's still wonderful. But like so like watching him, it it, it was like it was just it was a weird experience. I still I think he's awesome in this movie. um, But I do think I'd taken out a little bit out of it because of what he has become. Um and uh, but the, the all of the the grotesque stuff, the madness stuff, when he's like kind of losing it, when he's like, I, I guess I didn't, uh, there, I, I learned a lot about flies. I didn't know flies had could do gymnastics and that they had huge crazy <laughs> sex drives. Like all that superhero stuff felt weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, and but in the original movie, the original 1950s movie, the scientist, black and white, the scientist goes in, and what happens actually is. They don't mesh. They the fly actually comes out, and he comes out. So, um, and, and at the end of the movie, if, if you don't mind me saying what it is, spoilers. Um, he ends up like totally turning into a fly. Um, his head is a fly, and his one of his arms is like a fly because of the fifties. They did as much as they could. And then he asks his wife or his girlfriend, I forget what it is, to um, use like a vice and squishes him. Um, and because they've been looking for the fly because the fly is, if they could put him and the fly back in the machine together, like that could fix everything. And then at the end, they actually, the end of the movie is she sits on like a, a bench in their garden or whatever it is. And she sees that the fly is caught in a spider web. And, uh, but the fly has the, uh, the, uh, doctor the scientist head on it and the fly's going help me help me and she ends up killing the fly because like Whoa. because she already killed the doctor and she just like needs to get it's it's awesome and i actually part of me likes the 50s one better than this one even though they're very different um i'm nostalgic for mm-hmm. that um but that was my feelings about the movie i really enjoyed it but the 80s stuff and the like misogynistic gross like 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 that like the the all of that stuff really dragged it down for me because if i believe that they were in love i would have accepted more but like i i I didn't believe any of that stuff i was just in it for kind of like the horror element i don't think they did the romantic element that well at least for today's standards to be totally honest yeah what about you jamie likes and grabs yeah i (laughs) i feel similarly to brian um it was like really, yeah, like seeing seeing Jeff Goldblum act in this way was just like so far on the spectrum of Jeff Goldblum that like I was almost turned off by it. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. So maybe that makes it more dated, but like I just found it really hard to watch their interaction. Like it wasn't romantic. It, there's something that like Brian has mentioned to me about the believability of like romance between characters in different movies. And like, Mm -hmm. this just wasn't, this just wasn't it. I just was like, I don't understand 
I don't understand why Gina Davis is into him. I mean, he's like attractive, but like other than that, unless she's just like into smart guys and that's like her kink and like she's mm-hmm. like just, you know, it doesn't really matter what else is going on. But like it was – they just were almost like speaking entirely different languages at one another. Like it was really hard to like watch them communicate um, and and like that just really took me out of it. So I have a – I. I had a hard time kind of getting into that. And I kind of was just like, when do we get to the good stuff? Like, I just want to get to, you know, him turning into a fly and like, you know, the hubris of it all was really interesting. Um, But then also like the downfall, then also him kind of turning evil um, and like going for the mad scientist thing. But I don't know. There was so much buildup in the beginning that I like, I wasn't expecting kind of like the first third of the movie, I would say, or like before, you know, before he, before things start to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like very, everything felt really rushed, but it didn't really feel earned or like didn't really make sense to me. And then, and then I was like, let's just move on and like get to, why I'm here. Um, and then I did like, then I was a lot more into it, um, because that's like the focus and just this transformation that we're witnessing. Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, in terms of like the relationship stuff, I, I mean, definitely that's super dated. I think it's also dated just in terms of like, you know, how, how women are, are portrayed in film and like how that's evolved and like how relationships hopefully have evolved. Um, but yeah, it's like the thing that was so disturbing to me was, uh, Gina Davis walking home and her ex is like in the shower. And I was just like, what on earth is going on here? Why? Like that's, it, it was so, that was very unsettling, almost more unsettling than like, you know, Jeff Goldblum's face coming off and fly, fly eyeballs being there. Um, because of just like, it's not just about like the power that he's exerting. Obviously that's like a big part of it, but like, I I don't know, like his perception that he knows her well enough that she won't do anything about it, which I guess like is exerting power in a different way anyway, which is so manipulative and like really grossed me out and, and made me uncomfortable. And then, and then I was just like, all the men in this are terrible um, like be gone with all of them. And, and at least, you know, Gina Davis lives on and hopefully doesn't have a a fly larva in her body, but I guess we'll never know. Um, (laughs) no, we do know that's what the fly two is about. Oh, so I should watch no, the fly no, too. No, it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can't like I believe the oh, second dude. movie is like she has the kid and then the kid like becomes a scientist and wants to like re- like 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 help her dad his dad's legacy and then it ends up the same thing like mm. ends up happening to him or something like that. I, I don't I don't remember. It's Eric Stoltz, I'm pretty sure, and Daphne Zunega from uh Say anything and uh, space balls. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's so interesting. Just you guys talking about it because maybe it was the mindset that I was in of just trying to find what things can we talk about for this podcast about mental health and human behavior that some of the misogynistic stuff just 
not flew past me, but it wasn't ever present as much as, as you guys are, are mentioning that it is. It's there. And of course, one of the my truly biggest gripes was the whole going back to her old boyfriend situation because that was grimy and he was an absolute asshole the entire time and making really awful sexist comments, especially when he was just saying, oh, let's just have, let's just have sex and be that because we don't have to have any emotions attached to it. It's like, what are you saying? This is ridiculous. But I will say, I think because my brain was just trying to focus on how Jeff Goldblum is going to go mad. And is that going to be the believable part of it that I didn't really kind of zero in on his relationship so much with Gina Davis. And so I really was just, honestly, when she had to kill him, that got me. And I couldn't tell you exactly what was it. Maybe Mm. it was just her acting in that moment at the end of the scene. And there's not much that happens in this movie, but we're just focused around these characters enough to where I felt invested in that moment sure. when mm-hmm. she had to make that decision. And there is a sense of feeling bad also for Jeff because he was someone who was trying to do good in the world, but things just went wrong. And so you have, a, or I felt a sense of, of uh, sympathy when he's crawling out of the tele, being half fly, half human, half teleportation, and just kind of seeing, I don't know, I guess it's also a testament to the makeup artist because you kind of see that um, defeatedness in the creature that's coming out and knowing that, you know, this is going to be my end. So we need to just stop it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you guys do bring up some great points just about how 80s the movie is in regards to toxic masculinity and um, how Gina Davis is her sole purpose is just to go between these two men. You know, there's, she's not really, even though she is trying to make decisions on her own by going with this story, even though her editor, who, even though he's also her ex, She's going against her boss to try to do something that she believes in and, and wants to do. Uh, so I felt that that kind of was admirable and takes her a little bit out of the whole uh, circle of going between two men. Um, but yeah, in general, I think just because I wasn't solely f- uh, focused, not necessarily on the movie, but I think Brian has mentioned this too, is when we watch these movies, we watch it with a different lens because we're thinking about, you know, what things can we discuss in this? And I think that's where my brain was and it kind of left me out. But you guys are bringing up some great points about it. And I do want to transition that into talking about uh, Jeff Goldblum's character in general. And a lot of the movie is people just focusing, you know, you know, people can, we say that people are money hungry or power hungry or, you know, knowledge hungry or whatever the case may be. Or hung, just and, hungry. Like they want a churro. Or just hungry in general. They want a, <clears throat> a churro. Yes. Why a churro? I, that's what I want when I'm hungry. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you need to be on the make, Jamie. I'm making all the churros for. I, apparently. Yes. <laughs> but I do just want to ask, you know, Jamie, what, do you feel, or can you talk about, and this is going to be a generalized question, but the kind of dangers of being solely focused so much on one thing that you kind of lose your sense of reality because we're taught, you know, we have to be focused in on one thing or, you know, what is your career? You have to be focused on that. And in this movie, it kind of takes that and turns it on its head. So I guess my question is, what do you think went wrong in this particular scenario of trying to focus in on one thing? It, it just became 
to his detriment. And, you know, I guess I don't, I'm, I'm phrasing this terribly, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. What, what can you, can you just talk to me in general about kind of the dangers of focusing on one thing or where he went wrong, I guess, in specifics? Yeah. I mean, I think you started to speak to like losing yourself in something and like, what does it mean when your entire identity becomes like one single project and like how, how you, you know, your, your loving work or like this focus kind of get in the way of other aspects of like your life and happiness and when things don't go well with this thing that you're pursuing, like it can cause so much, you know, harm because you're, there's so much weight being placed on this thing. And, and I think too, there then becomes like challenges when it comes to expectations and like what expectations you have for, for yourself and success. Like if you're putting so much of your energy into like this one thing, there's so much pressure Mm -hmm. for it to succeed. And so when things aren't going well, it feels like a direct reflection of you and your identity. And yeah. so like <clears throat> not not having so much of yourself wrapped up into one single thing, like that can be a part of who you are is like working on, you know, figuring out how to do, um, I, I was going to say transportation. Yeah. <laughs> which is. Throughout transportation, yes. <laughs> which is not what I meant but teleportation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, like that you are a scientist or you are like working on this major project, but like you're also, you know, like you also have other interests. Um, mm-hmm. Like you also like to cook. You also like to read. Like you're also kind. You also have values. Like that there are many things that make up you, but like when you start to put all of your focus on like one singular thing, mm-hmm. it's it's easy to lose yourself and lose your identity in this thing. And then, you know, I mean, there is success with with his with his um experiment, but the problem is then I mean it was there was success, but also it still went wrong. And so like right. his his initial resistance when Gina Davis was like, something is bad. (laughs) Like something is not right here. And like, he, he like, couldn't hear that until Mm -hmm. like, until it was like very obvious to him. And, and I was going to say like, not pun, not intended, but like when it was like in his face where like his literal, like face is coming apart, his Mm -hmm. teeth are coming out, his nails are being pulled off. Like that's when he's like, Oh, this is no longer what I thought it was. This is actually mm-hmm. bad. But at that point, I think he had, it was he was already pretty far gone in terms of like pushing people away and mm-hmm. and not really like thinking clearly about how to create any kind of change or like fix a lot of it that I think that contributed to his detriment. But like yeah. iso- like he isolated himself. Um, even though they like kept kind of reconciled, like they kept coming together and then like separating, which I think also maybe is like an interesting representation of like a very unhealthy romantic relationship as well, that it's not super linear and like, you know, it's hard to just walk away from it when there are Mm -hmm. things that like bring you together. Again, this is a really weird example of a relationship for a lot of the reasons I complained about earlier, but I think like generally, 
as a, as a metaphor of like, it's really difficult to walk away from, especially from someone who's like manipulative, which like he is. Um, so yeah, hopefully I answered some question. In yeah, there. no, no, no. It was great. And just to kind of dive into that even more, because when I was watching this, I was thinking, you know, he is morphing his genetics, whatever, with the fly. And now he's feeling kind of super human. And one of my questions in the most generalized way was, how can meshing with this fly make you <laughs> mentally feel like, you know, you're a, a, a superhero, you know? And, I, and so I guess my question is, how much do you think of it was... I guess the, his ego and the the success of the experiment causing him to kind of change his mental attitude, or do you think it was all just solely what was happening, you know, with uh, just him meshing with the fly and that is also just messing with his brain. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Like how much of it was like, you know, fueled by this narcissism of like, wow, I completed this task and like, I am incredible. I am like transformative. I am going to change the world. And like that kind of fueling, like that, that like psychological shift also potentially influencing like what he felt like he was capable of physically Mm -hmm. and like pushing himself in, in a really like aggressive way. Um, yeah, I think that like certainly can be part of it. I there is not that much that I know about um, flies and the <laughs> characteristics that they have, so right. I don't really know if they. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> about. Um, I mean, they, he does mention fly politics at one point. Um, oh my god! But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> what What is happening? Turn what into a fly saying? and shut up." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the truth. Um, it's, it's truly like what is what is it about this fly that's making your mind go mad? And so then you have to think: was that within him somewhere buried deep inside? And because mm. he found success, then that just brought that out of him. Is that a thing? Can we say that that is a possibility? I mean, it's interesting. Like, how does this? How does it both like push him in this? In this like really narcissistic way, but also, I mean, which is not good, but then also like unlock some kind of, um, under potential underlying mental health issue that, that then is like activated because he did this experiment on himself essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, again, there was so much like pressure and weight that he put on this working, especially after Gina Davis gets involved and it's like, you're going to like, you're going to witness this and we're going to like do this, have this experience together and document it. And like, yeah, you know, there is this added pressure as a result of that, because like, how, how are you going to go through this process of being documented and like adding visibility to it for it not to work out? And like this pressure Especially because what the only reason that he decides to go into it because Uh he's impatient is because she goes to meet up with her ex and then he's literally fueled by that. Like, again, God, men are so stupid. That was like so (laughs) dumb. 
And like, you're so like, you feel so inferior at that moment that you literally ruined your life and the life of the lives of people around you Mm -hmm. because, because you're so insecure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Truly in that moment, you just had a successful trial of Mm -hmm. teleporting this monkey. And instead of holding on to that, it's a matter of, I'm so insecure that I have to go to the next step. I have to be better. I have to do better because this Mm -hmm. person that I want to be with, or am trying to impress who wasn't even there in the first place when you were trying to do this thing anyway, is leading you to put yourself in this machine. And like you said, Jamie calls all of these issues. And so the insecurity of it all is, uh, surmounting. (laughs) Yeah. I, there's also this piece of like her of uh, also uh, completely unrelated. I love the name Ronnie as a nickname for Veronica. Um, that's, that's all. I just, I love (laughs) nicknames. So really into this one. Um, but I, I don't like how I I feel like this film is blaming her in in like why this has all turned out the way that it has to some degree. Um, like if, you know, if she didn't get involved and like encourage him, then like none of this would have happened. But again, he, he was by himself, got drunk and then mm-hmm. ran an experiment by himself without supervision. Exactly. And so I, I have a problem with like, you know, whether they say it explicitly or implicitly that like she, because she like continues to stay involved. And so like mm-hmm. how much of it is like her love for him versus this guilt that she's seemingly carrying yeah. around all of this transpiring, like because they got together and like, because she like, you know, was threatening to release information about this for her own success that then he was like, let's just collaborate and and work together. Yeah, it's, but I think that also is just kind of the misogynistic patriarchy nature of <laughs> of this uh, movie in general that you guys are, are bringing up. But that just also leads me to him in these back and forth vulnerable states. So it's one minute he's superhuman, you know, we can do all the things, we can make it happen. And then when there's a sign of trouble, he, or when he is realizing, oh, I've done something bad in his interactions with Ronnie, you get this sense of vulnerability and wanting to, to try to change. But then you, Ronnie comes back a second time and he's crawling on walls and saying, oh, wait, no, my journey is to become Brundlefly. I'm accepting this now. And so it's kind of a a mesh of different (laughs) emotions and things that are happening, even to the point where he is probably 70% fly now and making these jokes to Ronnie. And so is that a believable thing if you're going through something traumatic in that sense of your body literally deteriorating or, or anything traumatic in general is making jokes or to make light of the situation, something that is believable and something that you would do in those moments to maybe kind of try to comfort yourself or the, or the people that are around you is, is that a thing? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that there's something to like using humor as a defense mechanism because the reality is so painful and like difficult Mm -hmm. to accept that you try to diffuse that tension. Um, so, so yeah, I do think so. I think like, I mean, there's all kinds of different defense mechanisms that people use to like, you know, create distance and space from Mm -hmm. accepting certain events as they truly are. Um, but I think that, I think humor is like pretty high on the list of ones that, that people use or like, you know, it's, it's to some degree, it's like a form of denial as well. Like you're Mm. just like not really acknowledging reality. Um, or, um, you know, we hear of regression a lot where people kind of like almost move backwards to like acting like they're, they're younger than they are like an earlier, um, uh, like state of being. Um, so, you know, like finding comfort in things that we did when we were kids, like playing video games or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think that people are often using, whether they're like fully aware of them or not, I think with humor in particular, like Mm -hmm. there's a higher level of like awareness when you are trying to like make people laugh to diffuse tension. Um, but for other things like denial, like I think it's implied that there's, there's something like at a subconscious level that's going on, that's making it harder to like acknowledge reality. Mm. Now, do you think, and this is a, can be a question for both of you guys, but just the general progression of him going mad since this is our mad March Madness season. Madness. So we talked about in Psycho just kind of that general progression, but he was kind of already 80% there of losing himself and the dissociative episodes and such. And with this movie, we're kind of starting from zero because there's really not an indication that there is something going awry until after the fact. And so with that, do you think that his natural progression into going mad was warranted, was believable in the sense of what he was going through? Or like we discussed before, do you think it was solely just based on this particular uh, experiment when he went through the teleportation machine and that's the thing that caused him to to become mental? How do you feel about uh, him progressing as a mad scientist in this movie? Mm, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there was something like, I think that he started to become like really aggressive when he was trying to get other people to go into the teleportation pods. Yeah. Um, and, and like just was really aggressive and, and like resistant to everyone else's resistance and couldn't understand why other people wouldn't want to go through this experience and like go through what he was going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if like that kind of was the, the start where maybe he felt like slighted or rejected and (laughs) maybe it's all about how men can't handle rejection. I'm really shitting on men tonight. I'm so sorry. Well, no, I'm not really sorry, but I, I think that like, you know, there's, there's something to like, you know, (laughs) what, 
what happens when somebody who has such a fragile ego gets mm. rejected and like, how do they, how, like, how does that then cause this shift? But again, is it really like the, does someone just like flip a switch and, and go, go crazy? Or right. was there already like some underlying things that were there that like, who's the kind of person that's like, oh, I get motion sick. So I'm trying to create teleportation. Like <laughs> yeah. what? What, like, what type of thinking process do you already have to have to, like, kind of go from, like, A to Z like that? Um, right. Yeah. Or maybe lots of people are thinking things like that. I don't know. I, I am not. My brain can't remember what I ate for dinner yesterday. So, like, I certainly am it's not, like, true. how do I solve the world's biggest problems? Um, yes. Oh, and I do. But- sorry. Just- <laughs> To your point, I just want to ask really quickly, and we don't have to dive deep, deep into this. It's just just a question for my brain in particular, but you mentioned just fragile ego. And so because this is a mental health-based podcast, what when you talk about an ego in that sense, is that different from the egos that we talk about with psychology, and I'm referencing the id, the ego, and the superego, is that a different thing? You talking about a fragile ego as opposed to what we know as Freud's little three components of uh, um, your personality? Yeah. So, yeah. So with the Freud's personality theory, which is like really throwing me back to like grad school and like undergrad, um, I'm, I, I feel like most people have heard of like the id, the ego, and the superego. So the id is like the, the primitive part of the brain that has like, that's like aggressive and, and, you know, not, not particularly comprehensive. Um, the super ego is like our morality, our conscious, and then the ego is like the mediator between the two. Um, and, and that's like personality. So, uh, the, with, when I, when I say like fragile ego, that's like, Mm -hmm. that's like sense of self, which I think is like kind of connected to the idea of like the ego mediating between these two other entities. Um, But this is more of like um, how you, like your self-worth and how you perceive yourself and how others perceive you. And like Mm -hmm. if others are perceiving you with like, if you are perceiving that others are perceiving you with lesser value, how does that then impact you? And like how do you then- actions and- yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's that's kind of what I mean. Okay. No, that makes also, sense. Also, you're not. I I just I want to go back. You're not shitting on men. You're enzyme regurgitating on on them. <laughs> oh, that was such a that was so gross. Yeah. I I was like I was I like oh my god is he gonna vomit on his face? It got so close. I was like I don't know if I'm ready to see like a face disintegrate before my very eyes. But that's the joy of body yaddy yaddy horror. Just- <laughs> Thank you, Nikisha. Thank you. <laughs> so I wanted to see all the things. Please enzyme regurgitate on everything. That's what this is about. You know, we're mm-hmm. here for the adi horror. So uh odd horror if Fantastic. Brian, do you have any uh, comments about <laughs> what we've been talking about? I know we have been kind of um, enzyming all over the patriarchy. No, that's okay. I mean, the, the, yeah, I'm thinking uh, – no, I mean, I 
I, I, I bought into him going mad. I, I, I think is a perfect no. But because I wasn't into kind of the romantic aspect of this, when it's not even that romantic, mm-hmm. it's very much mm-hmm. like she kind of falls in love with his brain, even though he's a weirdo, and she is she trying to fix him? Like, I love movies that, like, really tried to build those relationships, and then you get into the horror stuff. So I appreciated what it did, and I'm sure it was awesome for 1986. But, like, watching it now, it's not as... I'm not looking for realism, awesome. because half of this movie is a man <laughs> turning into a fly. So, like, exactly. I'm not looking... And, and I think it, it... Wait, that wasn't real? I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god oh, spoiler for jamie now she's over all of it <laughs> um but yeah i i next you're gonna tell me titan that she really didn't have sex with a car no that she was really real have that car baby thank you <laughs> spoilers uh, yeah spoilers for titan spoilers for titan um <sighs> but yeah i don't i don't the thing is, I like this movie, and even though I'm like talking through and pointing out the flaws of it, like it still works as a whole piece, if that makes sense. Um, and, and I do believe kind of his descent into madness because he's already a weird dude, like Jamie mentioned, like with the seasickness and just like the way he thinks. Or like, was um, uh, I wrote it down. Uh, he he doesn't change his clothes, or he has the same clothes, so he doesn't have to expend yeah. any extra mental energy. Um, so like that was interesting and but i also think that because jeff goldblum is such a caricature of himself now that like it's harder to take his acting as serious then because of like i said that earlier but i'm just thinking i love the fact that like he ate sugar because like for for flies love sugar obviously duh and then um (laughs) and i liked at the end when he you know symbolically he mixes with his telepod so like he is now his own experiment science like everything um and and so he finally becomes like one with his work and then she blows his head off um but uh yeah i mean i i this movie is fascinating because it's it's from it's it's of I think I like it a lot too for the reasons I don't like it because it's so of a time it's so mm-hmm like well done body horror from the eighties um, that like, I would love to see this movie remade with practical effects, but with a more uh, mm. layered, interesting uh, relationship. Um, yeah. Make it so. Yeah. Brian, I, I'm in. So I'll make it a musical. <laughs> the fly of the musical, the fly. Oh, listen, the, don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I dug it. I, I definitely dug it more than I didn't dig it. Yeah, and I think you're right, Brian. I think it's just so cemented in the '80s that you just accept it for where it is yeah. in the '80s. Those, that, and I think you also mentioned with the relationships too. It's just it's all in the '80s. I would say evolved. my biggest problem with the movie is is how they portray the ex-boyfriend more than her and Jeff Goldblum's relationship. The, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, like the fact that, and then like, of course the like grotesque guys, like, like trying to make her get an abortion and like, like calling them mm-hmm. last minute, like not giving her time. Like she, she's flip flopping so much because she's so torn that like, doesn't even give her room to like make her own decision and whatnot. Like it's, it's a whole thing. And, and, but, but that, and that's okay for the movie because we're portraying him as a duty head. 
You know what I mean? Yes. But like, but then don't make him be the hero for her because I don't care if a stalkerish guy who says I want to claim your body is trying to save her. She, he like right. I, I, gross, 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 monster. You've already done the damage. He's yeah, already I, I hate head, him. So there's no redemption for you. There's that's your character journey. Totally. And that's it. I mean, everyone's trying to take her body. Like Jeff Goldblum's trying trying to take it at yeah. the end so that Very he can true. become human mm-hmm. again. And then, right. like, trying to get her to, like, not exert her right to have an abortion. It's like all like all the men are trying to have control over yeah. her. It's mm-hmm. all gross. It's all gross. That's yes, interesting. Of the time. Mm-hmm. That even though his – even though he has the most body horror happening to him and the most change, like, in some ways her body is the most important thing in this, um, mm. which is, like, also gross 80s. Um, but, but, but it's also like, maybe that is the point. Maybe that's not the point. I don't know. It's fascinating to talk about it out loud now. Like, because, because Cronenberg is an excellent director and Cronenberg isn't just like the schlock guy who's not thinking about these things. He's absolutely thinking of these things when he's making these movies, as much as he loves the gore and all that stuff. Like, like if you've ever seen like uh, a history of violence, great movie mm-hmm. same thing with uh eastern promises it's this like ultra violent stuff happening set against like the psychological aspects of like how it affects these people and what's going down and and, and this is just another version of that um and so i definitely yeah. appreciated it more um than i thought i would based on my initial visceral reactions does that make sense yeah absolutely mm. Well, do we have any other last thoughts that we'd like to say about this before we go into Rotten Tomatoes? Um, I have a new appreciation for flies. Listen, it's like Charlotte's Web, you know, <laughs> I don't want to kill the spider anymore. Uh, that, no, I, I will, I'm sorry, I'll still kill <laughs> Well, no, I won't kill a spider. I will delightfully call upon my future husband to kill a spider. That's, there you go. That's me, Hope, right? That's me. <laughs> if you have to ask, you'll never know. Ooh, be afraid. Be very afraid. We're, which is yeah. This is where this movie that comes from. This movie that comes from, which I did not know. I didn't know fantastic. that either. Wow. I mean, it's such a a phrase that you would think would be in such a more dire circumstance and situation than what how it is presented in the movie because she just says it so nonchalant. I know. I forgot. And she's like, "Oh, by the way, that threw me yeah. off." By the way, be afraid. Be very afraid. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm leaving now. <laughs> All right. Had a good time. Had a good night. Goodbye. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Should we guess the rotten tomatoes? Yeah, let's do this? it. Fantastical. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I'm gonna say 85. Jamie? Um, I'm gonna say 87. This is a 93. Wow. David Cronenberg combines his trademark affinity for gore and horror with a strongly developed, with strongly developed characters, making the fly a surprisingly affecting tragedy. Yeah, Yeah, I would, I would absolutely say these are strongly developed characters, but I don't necessarily know if like everything that happened was good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yes. You can tell that there is, there was thought yeah. to these characters. How it transpired is another thing, but it's not that they completely dismissed the character development in, in general. Totally. So, yeah, that makes sense. Fantastical. Well, let's go on to our four S's. Yeah, our four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Skulls is mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. Shakes is how much will you shake it. And then we'll give some suggestions. Um, But uh, Jamie, let's start with you. Skulls. What are you giving it for skulls? (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. Uh, Um. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Nice. Yeah. Um, Because I don't think that I've encountered another human being that speaks like Jeff Goldblum does. Mm. Um, And so that didn't feel real. (laughs) Sure. He does have this speech pattern that is very him yet was – overly done in this movie. That was a little bit It was also just the content. I was like, what are you saying? Just just be a human Like person. he said, afraid to dive into the plasma pool? Yes! <laughs> or whatever that whole thing he was saying in the diner between the two of them after he did that experiment and she was she also was like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was going to give it, I was not, was, I am going to give it a two, mostly because I'm just thinking in comparison about our great conversations about Psycho and just in relation to going mad for the mental health things. It just, it's there, but it wasn't the forefront of it. And so I'll I'll give it a two. Great. I'm going to give it a three for the same reasons you all said. Uh, scares Jamie how scary was this moving picture um I will give it a four Mm -hmm. um no jump scares uh but definitely disturbing lots of disturbing visuals very unsettling definitely had some spooky dreams last night sure Nikisha Yeah, I'm giving it a five because when she ripped his jaw off, when his teeth fell off, mm, that 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 got me. It was peak body yadi yadi horror, and it deserves a five from me. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna match yours, Nikisha. I'm gonna give it a five as well. Um, No jump scares, and it wasn't like ah, I wasn't like screaming, but like it doesn't make me feel great. No, not at all. I couldn't even, I was eating crackers, the blandest of bland things that's supposed to settle your stomach, and I still had to just set them aside. (laughs) Can't can't eat these while I'm watching this. This is too much. Love it. Um, Cool. Let's do uh, shakes. How much are you going to shake this movie? Is this one to remember? Is this one you'll kind of forget? Uh, Jamie? No, I I mean, I think I'm going to give it like a seven, um, mostly for the visuals that will definitely stick around in my brain. Um, And like I said, when I lie down and my head touches the pillow and I go to close my eyes, all I see 
is Brundlefly. Brundlefly. I think you mean Grundlefly. Oh, yeah. I couldn't stop saying it while watching that. He looked like a Grundle. Uh, Grundle. Fantastic. Uh, Nikisha, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it a, a six for all of those reasons. You, I, If you're a movie buff and you haven't watched this, you need to watch it. It's it's classic horror. It's classic. Just the makeup alone is enough to watch it. Yeah. So I'll give it a six. Agreed. I will suggest it to people. Cool. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. For the same reasons. Fantastic. Also, like when he broke, he also breaks that guy's arm in the bar, and I don't, I, I like, I remember Ooh, that, like, so good. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, this is, but like yeah. Nikisha said, this is peak body horror, like for movie buffs. Like this is, this seems like a very important movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. cool. Uh, suggestions. What suggestions do you have, uh, Jamie? Do you want to go first? Um, sure. I like I had said I had seen some some other Cronenberg-esque flicks previously. Um I would recommend Scanners. Um there's way more like telekinesis telepathy going on in that one, but mm. it's really interesting. Um and then not Cronenberg, but also another horror movie that I think has really excellent practical effects that are also very visually disturbing um the thing oh absolutely yeah that's a good one i was gonna i was looking well when i was looking for suggestions i wanted to find other movies that had great award-winning prosthetics and Mm. the thing was on that list but the Mm -hmm. two that i haven't watched the thing all the way through so that's why i didn't suggest that but the two movies that were on that list that i have seen all the way through if we're just talking about the prosthetics route Mm -hmm. is death becomes her fantastic movie i've actually Uh, never seen it oh it's pretty great um oh that would actually be a really good one for this podcast it would i mean kind of on the yeah going mad tip it's uh and it's 92 and you know meryl streep and goldie hawn at their peak it's it's wonderful. It's hilarious. And the prosthetics in that are, are fantastic. I remember I watched this movie as a kid, and those are some of the images that I that have never left my brain. Hmm. Um, and the second movie is uh, just another Gina Davis movie, but was also on the prosthetic list, Beetlejuice. Mm. Those are my two suggestions. They just announced a sequel. Yeah, because they were throwing up what I thought it seemed was a fan art sequel um, picture, but it wasn't a real thing. But I guess it is a real thing. Mm. I mean, I know that is they, they officially did announce a Beetlejuice too, but I feel like there were, um, you know, when people do the fake uh, promos mm-hmm. for movies and people just make stuff up on their own. I feel mm-hmm. like one of those for Beetlejuice came out a couple of years ago, but pe- it was circulating around again. But now there actually mm. is going to be a Beetlejuice sequel. But anyway, yes. It's called Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice 2, like way juicier. Yikes. <laughs> is the Beetles, the juice in the Beetles juicier? That's I don't know. We'll have to see. Ugh, I hate this conversation. Um, but I will, um, I'm going to, I know I've picked it before, but I'm going to pick it again. Uh, Tusk. Watch Tusk. 
Still haven't seen mm-hmm. it. I don't think I can do it. Not for me. So, so it's a weird one. Change it into Ooh. an animal. Tusk. Nope. Tusk. Nope. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I think that wraps up our conversation. It wraps it up about... in a cocoon larva. Oh, <laughs> good one. Good burning one. out larva. Yes. <laughs> of the fly, you can follow us, talk horror on. Wow, I can't even talk. You can follow us, talking horror on all social media platforms at Talk Horror Pod on Instagram. We have. Some really great things happening on TikTok, and you guys are loving it. So we're going to keep putting all the things out there and uh, Twitter. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure, you can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. That includes things like Spotify, like Stitcher, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And, Jamie, do you want to sign us off with a, with a quote? Uh. Be afraid. Be very afraid. But that's not how she should have said it. What she should have said was, be afraid. Be very afraid. You're welcome. I'm, and that's and been I, acting with Jamie. I'm terrified. Jamie. I guess we're just afraid to dive into the plasma pool. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you.